This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. Let's, let's just begin by reading some scripture together. This is Luke 9. Can you put that up here? How about reading this? Let's just all read it together, okay? Because you might not have read the Bible this week. I'm disappointed in that, if you have, it's true. But anyway, here we go. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 57 through 52. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. There was this lady one time who was taking her time browsing through everything at a yard sale. Anybody like yard sales and thrift stores and stuff like that? My, my wife is known as the thrift store queen. Uh, I, I, we have no clothing in our house that she didn't buy somewhere. Some of it's new. It's kind of nice. But, you know, I have a whole closet. I have a walk-in closet. I got over $100 worth of stuff in there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there was this... Lady taking her time at this yard sale, and in a conversation with the homeowner, she said, uh, my husband is going to be very angry when he finds out I stopped at a yard sale. And the homeowner said, well, I'm sure he'll understand when you tell him about all the bargains. And she said, well, yeah, normally that would be yes, but he just broke his leg, and he's waiting for me to take him, have it set. <laughs> you know, some, some things in life shouldn't be delayed, uh, but we do delay them sometimes, don't we? Not for any sinister reasons. I mean, just because we simply don't attach any real urgency to them. One, one pastor calls it the but first syndrome. The American Medical Association hasn't recognized the but first syndrome yet as a disease, but that doesn't mean there's not people who aren't suffering from some of its symptoms. In fact, here are some examples of how this ailment has affected this pastor's own life that talked about this. He says this, he said, I decide to do the laundry. I sit down with the intention of doing just that and notice the newspaper on the table. I will do the laundry, but first I'm going to read the paper. And after that, I notice some mail on the table. I'll, I'll stick the newspaper in the recycle bin but first, I'll look through the mail, and I notice the empty glass as I leave through the mail, an empty glass on the coffee table from yesterday. I'm now going to look for the checkbook to take care of those unpaid bills. But first, I need to put that empty glass in the sink. I, I, need, I head for the kitchen with the glass, but then I notice through the window that our poor flowers need some water. I put the glass in the sink. I see the TV remote and the portable phone are both lying on the countertop. 
I don't know how they got there, but I do need to put them away. But first, I need to water those plants. And I think you get the idea. By the end of the day, the guys managed to get some of the laundry down. The newspapers are still on the floor by the table. The glass is now in the sink. However, the bills never got paid. Checkbook was never found. The dog ate the remote control. There was so much that he meant to do, but he got sidetracked by the but first syndrome. Now, our scripture for today that we all read says that as Jesus was walking along the road, he encountered three men. And the first man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Hey, we've all probably felt like that at some time or another. We've had some, you know, mountaintop experience. Maybe we were once at a Billy Graham crusade, or maybe we were at a youth conference or or some other inspiring situation. And we felt so close to Christ that we said in our hearts, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I am yours. Do with me as you will. But time has gone by, and the truth of the matter is that we've lived pretty ordinary lives since that time. Oh, there have been plenty of opportunities where we could have served Christ better, but somehow other things got in the way. I mentioned Billy Graham, and some of you remember when his crusades were a really big deal. Anybody here been to a Billy Graham crusade? Man, uh, crowds as large as 100,000 people would go and pack stadiums to hear Billy's sermons. And thousands would go forward to make decisions for Christ as the choir sang, just as I am without one. Remember that? Did you know, though, that reports by the Billy Graham Association, according to their reports, less than 5% of those who responded on such occasions are still actively involved in the Christian life? Less than 5%. Now, this isn't to say that those crusades had no point because, and no impact because there are people whose lives were touched in a beautiful way in those crusades. But for most of those who went forward, it didn't last. The point is, there are some situations where we might say, yes, Lord, I am yours. But Christ knows you're just caught up in the moment. And this was obviously the way it was with this first man who told Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And and, and it's interesting how Jesus responded to him. He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It it seems like Jesus may be saying in kind of a gentle way, hey, you don't know what you're saying. Following me is not for the faint of heart. It's not for people who are concerned about material possessions or comforts. Following me is for people who are ready to put it all on the line. It's not for people who get excited on one occasion who respond for an hour to a nice, warm, spiritual feeling. It's for people who are ready to be Christ's man or Christ's woman, regardless of their current circumstances or how they happen to be feeling at the time. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. 
And then notice what happens in the, with the second man that Jesus encounters. Jesus says to him, follow me. And this man replies, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Aha. Here is a man suffering from the but first syndrome. By the way, what is this man doing talking to Jesus if his father just died? I mean, in the first century, the Jews buried the dead almost immediately, usually the same day, because they weren't well-equipped, you know, to, with mortuaries to handle such needs back then. So this guy obviously needed to be back home. And why does Jesus give him such a hard time? I mean, the man's request is perfectly normal. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. I mean, Jesus' answer seems a little bit harsh, doesn't it? He says, hey, let the dead bury their own dead. But you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Hey, what's that about? Incidentally, uh, commentators differ over whether the man's father had just died or whether he was near death or whether he had just a few years let, you know, let to go, yet to go. I once read about a traveler in the Middle East who was trying to enlist a young Arab man as his, as his guide. And so the young Arab replied that he couldn't go because, because he had to bury his father. And when the tra traveler expressed his sympathy, he learned that the young man's father had not yet died, but was, that was just an expression, meaning his father was getting up in years, and he felt responsible for him. And I'm sure some of you can identify with that. Your parents, too, are aging. You may feel responsible for them. And you can certainly understand this man saying, as long as my mom and dad depend on me, I better stay home. And then the third man also makes a request. It's just, I think, as, just as reasonable. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Hey, listen, all these, these are all nice guys, and they want to follow Jesus. It's just that they have responsibilities. So they say to him, yes, but first. And we find that Jesus is just as short with this third man as he was with the others. Jesus says to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So it seems obvious that Jesus regarded the statement by the first man you know, the one that said he would follow him anywhere, I think he kind of considered that to be superficial. And I think he looks at the second two guys, what they said, those guys were just giving excuses. See, Jesus didn't need any more half-hearted disciples. Jesus needed people who were ready to make a commitment. In other words, listen, Jesus wasn't looking for fans. He was looking for followers. I mean, fans are easy to come by. <laughs> if you show the world that you're a winner, you know the way the world defines a winner? Hey, the world will regard you with praise and adulation. Of course, it's also true that some of these fans will be fickle. If you're a baseball fan, you're probably aware that our Kansas City Royals are not enjoying their best season. And some of the fans are getting frustrated. 
The story goes that a woman recently left her season tickets on the dashboard of her locked car, two of them. And while she was in the store shopping, someone broke into her car. And when she returned, she found four season tickets on the dashboard of her car. <laughs> but hey, hey, the Royals aren't the only team that has fickle fans. We're told that a sports fan in Cleveland, Ohio, was strolling along a beach area in Cleveland, and he spotted a, a, a bottle floating on Lake Erie. And when he fished the bottle out of the lake and opened it, a genie popped out. Whoa. And the genie said, Master, you have released me from my bondage in this bottle. Ask any three wishes, and I will grant them to you. So the man thought for a moment, and he said, Okay. I'd like the following three things to happen this year. The Cleveland Browns win the Super Bowl. The Cleveland Indians win the World Series. Cleveland Cavaliers win the NBA title. And the genie thought about this for a moment and then jumped right back in the bottle. <laughs> yeah, see, sometimes it's hard to be a sports fan. I, I heard about this one guy. He was a really avid, big-time football fan. And during a recent season, his team got off to pretty poor start. And so almost every Sunday afternoon, he sat depressed, ranting at the TV screen. Anyway, one day, after some really loud shouts of disgust, it suddenly became silent. And wondering what happened, his wife went into the living room and found him watching a World War II movie. And the guy explained, he said, ah, I just Decided to switch over to something that I knew our side would win. <laughs> Listen, Jesus doesn't want more fans. The fact is, Jesus has all the fans he needs. See, fans are with you, win or tie. But Jesus wants people who will walk in his footsteps no matter what their circumstances. He wants people who will be with them whether he ascends to a throne or he is crucified on a cross. Jesus wants people who reflect his compassion and his love, even when love and compassion are not popular. One pastor was telling about a baptism ceremony he participated in when he was in campus ministry at Duke University. And this fellow campus minister asked him if he would participate in the baptism of a graduate student who was from China. Well, this, chi this guy had been attracted to the Christian faith while he was a student at Duke. Well, the pastor had met the young man once or twice before, and he joyfully participated in the baptism. And this was back before everyone had iPhones and with cameras and stuff. So he was glad he remembered to bring his camera so he could take a few pictures after the baptism. Hey, he said, you can send these pictures back to your family and friends in China. You can share this special day with your friends at home. And anyway, he maneuvered everyone into place and took some snapshots. And he noticed the group acted a little shy and awkward, but they all stood together while he took the pictures. And after the baptism, the campus minister said to him, he said, you know, well, that was really embarrassing. You with your camera and all. And the pastor said, embarrassing? Why was it embarrassing? And the campus minister said, well, because now that he's baptized, 
his life has been ruined. His parents say they're going to disinherit him. The government will probably take away his scholarship. He won't be able to show those pictures to anybody back home because now that he's been baptized into Jesus, his life as he knew it is over. You see, that young grad student knew the decision he was making was going to cause him pain and hardship. See, that student was making a decision to be more than a fan of Jesus Christ. He was making a decision to be a follower. He was making the decision to walk in Christ's footsteps no matter what the cost. And as we read these accounts of Jesus' life in the Gospels, you read through there, you'll find Jesus giving the same command on so many occasions. And the command was, follow me. You may recall he went to those fishermen, Peter, Andrew, and James, and John, and said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When the rich young ruler asked what he must do to have eternal life, Jesus answered. He said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. In fact, in all three of the synoptic gospels, you'll hear Jesus over and over saying, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. Jesus wants people who will do more than simply sit in a pew, sit in a chair in a sanctuary, and clap and cheer. He wants people who will take up their cross daily. You know, the cross of service, the cross of love. Some of you may have heard of, know the story of Rich Stearns. Rich Stearns was a young man, a new Christian, and he got engaged when he was young. His fiance, like many young brides, wanted to register for China at the local department store, but he said to her, listen, as long as there are children starving in the world, we will not own China, crystal, or silver. What a wonderful statement of discipleship. His answer reminds me of that first man in our story who said, I will follow you wherever you go. However, as Rich entered the corporate world and started climbing the ladder, he found he had a really good head for business. And 20 years later, he was the CEO of Linux, ironically, our nation's top producer of luxury tableware in fine china. Anyway, one day, Rich received a phone call from an organization called World Vision, and they asked if he would consider getting involved with them. So Rich went to Uganda, an area considered zero, ground zero for the AIDS pandemic. And in that village, he sat in a thatched hut with a 13-year-old boy with the same first name as his, Richard. A pile of stones outside the door of the hut marked where they had buried Richard's father, who had died of AIDS. And another pile of stone 
mark where they had buried his mother, who also died of AIDS. See, that, that kind of thing happens every day in Africa. So Rich talked for a while with a young Richard, who was now, of course, this kid was now the head of the household, trying to raise two younger brothers. And he asked him at one point, he said, hey, do you have a Bible? And uh, the boy said, yeah. And he went in the other room and brought back the one, back the only book in their house. And Rich asked, are you able to read it? And at that, the boy's face just lit up. He said, oh, I love to read the Gospel of John because it says Jesus loves children. And suddenly, Rich Stearns knew what he had to do. He needed to follow Jesus full time. He left his job, left his house, left his title. And for the next 20 years, he worked for God in a missionary organization. You see, Rich Stearns is the kind of man Christ is looking for. Christ, he's not looking for people who get excited for a few minutes on Sunday morning then forget all about their good intentions. He's not looking for those people who are suffering from the butt-first syndrome and who are continually making excuse after excuse about, you know, now is not a good time. No, Jesus is looking for followers, for people who will wake up each day with a determination to live as Christ would have them live. So, how about you? Will you bow your head? And let me ask you, let me ask you, are you, are you a fan of Jesus? Or are you a follower? Because the Lord wants to know, can he count on you? Ask yourself, is there anything standing between you and a total surrender? How are you serving the Lord? Has God called you to do something that you're not doing? If so, what's your excuse? Are you trusting the Lord with your finances? Are you faithful in your giving of tithes and offerings? Can Jesus count on you to be more than a fan? And if, if so, and if you're willing to live your life as a Christ follower, will you let me know and let God know and let everyone know by just lifting your hand right now? And if you're lifting your hand, will you sing this from your heart? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. So take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus, I won't turn back, 
I won't turn back. And I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.